This episode is sponsored by Overcast, a better podcast app than whatever you're using right now. Unless it's Overcast. Get Overcast for free on the App Store. You guys, it's just me. No Peter this week. He's busy off doing important stuff. And uh, it's just me this week. And welcome back to the Ajma Show. I'm your only host this week, Unji Kim. Peter Kim is um, dead to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's writing, he's doing stuff. And um, so it's just me this week. And I wanted to, oh, you guys, um, I'm going to do... A little, it's going to be a shorter podcast. Hopefully I don't ramble on too much, but I am, you know, the last couple of weeks have been sort of heavy as we are on our mental health journeys. And uh, I started therapy. I started therapy and I started drugs um, to help me get to sleep. I haven't been sleeping. Uh, I haven't slept since October. So I've been, um, you know, obviously affected by that inability to rest. I've just been dreaming and uh, waking up very tired. And yeah, I've been very close to uh, splintering apart at the seams. And finally, uh, took a drugs, took some drugs. I've been getting sleep for the last two nights. Um, let me tell you, the world looks different uh, on some eight hours. Let me tell you, no one talks about it. Um, or, you know what? Actually, everybody talks about it, how important sleep is. But I, you know, I like I my relationship to sleep is the same thing as water. It's for others. And I don't I don't like water. I don't like sleep. And it's never been. I've never been a huge fan of either. And I, I get it. I get what all the hubbub is about. People, I get why people like it. It's kind of important. Seems to. You know, I'm realizing like half of the time when I'm thinking about uh, getting divorced and leaving my family and going into the woods, most of the time would be rectified by just a couple more hours and a drink of water. But you know, you live and you learn. I'm what I'm, I'm so young, just 38. So um, it's been really revelatory to be on this uh, ascent, feeling good, feeling, you know, I've been feeling like sepia tone. And now I'm, I'm, I'm you know, in terms of the filters on Instagram, because I don't have TikTok, because my phone is too old and an Android, but um, I see like in terms of filters, I'm, I'm now at Paris, you know, and that's where I am. It's things are, things are slightly faded. They're not as vivid, but they're improving. That's good. Um, you know, I think that just, it's been really incredible, sort of the change. Um, I'm realizing that as I reflect on this time, you know, in pandemic, that I'm, I'm just someone who really has absolutely learned nothing about themselves or I've become less. I mean, the, the first time I went out to a restaurant, I was so grateful. Like I the, the time that I could just leave behind the dishes, not having to do some not having to do fucking dishes. I remember having so much gratitude to the wait staff and the bus boy. And like literally two weeks later, I have no gratitude. Like it's, it, was, it went away so quickly because, you know, I, that's the thing. Like after all this time, I remain a piece of shit. So, you know, I am a little more introspective though. 
Um, so today I kind of wanted to talk about uh, raising a half Korean son. I kind of wanted to talk about that. Um, I'm realizing that my, re my relationship to how Korean I want my son to be is so deeply, uh, so deeply tied to my own feelings and my own relationship with not only my, my own parents, but my own sense of Korean identity. And, you know, I think that at the beginning, I kept impressing because he understood that he was Korean, but he didn't understand that he was also Asian. So this is how untethered reality is to the sort of fake ideas of nationality and race, because it's not that it does. It's a arbitrary assignation, you know. My, my son understood that he is Korean because we are Korean. My parents are Korean. Um, that makes sense to him. But Asian American as an identity is sort of something I've had to impress upon him. So now he understands that because I've told him that we are not only Korean, but larger than that, we are Asian. And, you know, he's been talking to other children that are also half Asian and like, he understands and sees that they are also Asian, but he doesn't see them as half Asian. He, he just thinks that we are all Asian, which is true. But I don't know if that's necessarily an identity he would choose on his own, you know? Um, this is like kind of the same stuff with gender, I'd imagine. Like, if this is a nebulous thing to him, is it right of me to force it and thrust it onto him? But in my mind, I'm preparing him for the reality, right, of how the world will see him. Because he doesn't necessarily have that understanding yet. So I have thrust onto him this understanding of the reality as I know it to be. So I'm preparing him in my mind. But how much of that is actually a reflection of my own insecurity, right? Like, I know that he will look different and feel different. But that's only a reflection of my experience as an immigrant. You know, he's not going to go to school with smelly food. And maybe I will make him do that because I, that's the other thing is like, I feel really torn about making sure that he suffers. <laughs> like, I want him to suffer a little. Because his life is immeasurably better than mine was. And I have this relationship with my own trauma insofar as it being a, resulting in who I am now. And while I deeply despise myself, I also have all this confidence and I'm grateful for who I am now. So I think... You know, I don't even know where some of this, like, needing to make sure that he suffers and knows what it's like, how and where that stops with, like, how I need him to also suffer. It might be a result of my own abuse or if it's a genuine parental concern. And also, why do I still have these insecurities? 
You know, why do I still to this day feel ashamed of even inside of the memory? When I recall my past and recall these instances as a child, you know, why do I still, I still feel that hot flash of shame. I still feel acutely that hot pang of embarrassment, you know? And the thing is, I don't recall being embarrassed until I saw people's reaction. Like, this is the thing. I sort of have built in this delusional sense of confidence. Like, everything about me is interesting. Like, that's how I start off. Everything about me is interesting. Like, as a fifth grader, I remember going for like international, global, world day, you know, some shit in the 90s that I was supposed to foster, um, you know, uh, color blindness and whatever. We're going to value everybody. There's some shit like that at my school. And I wanted and knew that Korean food was so delicious and I was not ashamed of it. I wanted to bring it. I wanted to bring the sm- I smelliest. I wanted to bring the best things. Had no shame, did not feel uncomfortable about how different it was because shit, this was a global day. I, I knew everyone in my school was like from a different country. You know, the Greek motherfucker brought something. The Turkish motherfucker brought something. Um, I think there was a Serbian bitch that brought something. Like, you know, we were all celebrating this shit. So I had no shame. And it wasn't until bringing it and people wrinkling their noses. Ew, what's that? I don't know what that is. Gross. Like something that me and the Indian kids shared, right? But but we're 10, so we can't talk to each other. We don't have the tools for that shit. We just started to stand closer to each other, you know, in all of our stinkiness, in all of our PU shame. And, but did not have the words for it. We, I could not for the life of me at that time, and granted up until my 20s, have articulated that sensation. But... Now, even recalling it, I, feel, I remember that shame. I remember, I can feel the heat coming up in my face. But I didn't have it before. It didn't occur to me that I was different. And the thing is, I had to relearn it each time. You know, granted, I was maybe a little more gun shy every time afterwards. But I just remember after that, wearing a humble, wearing this, and just like still every time relearning that lesson about being different. And I don't know if that's because I was, I personally, outside of being an immigrant, like had this sort of insane confidence, you know, like I just recently learned inside of a pandemic that big boobs are a thing that women are like judged on. Like it, it truly never occurred to me that women with large breasts automatically were like sort of more attractive for their breasts. Like I, it's, I did not know that that counted for like 60% of the final grade of being considered attractive as a female. And I'm telling you, I didn't know until I was this year, you know, I just, I, I, I just remember being livid as a teen. Like I'm so much more, like I didn't understand that looks included boobs like i didn't know that titty was a part like i didn't know that 
Like inside of the Miss America, there was a swimsuit. Like I didn't know that titties was a part of the competition. I just thought that's like a extra extracurricular. That's an extra. That's like a beautiful gown someone has the fortune of having. I didn't know that was actually part of the, like a large part of the final grade. You know, like you have to do well in titties to be crowned Miss Beautiful. You know? And it's only, and it's not like it, anything in the culture disavowed me of that. Like it made, it didn't, the culture was telling me every day this is the truth. And in my deluded sense of confidence, it couldn't be a part of the final grade because I didn't have that, you know? And it's the same thing with being Asian. Like I, there was just a part of me every time being confronted with this truth that being different was negative. I, I had to constantly forget that because I was different. This is me. So if you're kind of counted against me, like, fuck, I can't win. So I, why would I try if I thought, you know? So it's kind of like an act of self-preservation, I think. You know? But yeah, after... But I mean, so that's, I think, part of the reason why I have, I, I'm torn with raising my son this way. It's like, I don't know whether or not I want to give him that information now. Because who knows how he might take it. He might take this information to mean automatically I'm different. This is going to disqualify me from being seen in our culture. You know, and the best gift my mom ever gave me was to simply never tell me that. Because I, in my own sense, my own insanity, right, in my own deluded sense of grandeur, my own delusions of grandeur, never saw it. And it wasn't until I was like pu in puberty that I was like kind of put it all together. The boobs thing took much longer. And I guess with my son, it would be, I don't know, dick size. I don't know. But I, I, I'm torn about telling him too much about this, especially because as a half Asian kid, if you, I don't know what that reality will look like for him. You know, to me, he looks so Asian, right? Like he looks just like a fucking Asian kid, a beautiful one. But to me, all Asian kids are, you know, like cute as hell. So I don't know. You know, that just might be like some sort of like racial supremacy shit. But you know, Asian kids are just out here being, you know, being very the cutest and you know i think he knows that intuitively but i don't know so i'm torn about that especially because after atlanta you know in march after atlanta i think we had to stop listening to the news because you know i was getting very emotional listening to the news coverage and you know, there was an evening in the aftermath after Atlanta where 
I was listening to stuff and I was kind of talking to my husband one night as we were putting him to bed about how I needed to maybe leave early so I could go to a demonstration and I wanted to support it and I wanted to go look for it, you know, and he, my son interrupted us and was like, where are you going to go? And I was talking about, oh, there's this um, rally, there's going to be a demonstration uh, to support Asian people um, because of what happened. And I didn't say anything about specifically because I didn't realize how much he had heard. But he was like, because of Atlanta. And I said, yes. And he said, because they hate Asian people like us. And that really took my breath away because I didn't realize that he had been listening to the news because we really had not been speaking about it explicitly. And it was the like us. They hate Asian people like us. Because then he pointed at my husband and said, not you. <laughs> and so I don't know. Because this is like a reality he knows about the adult world, but in his everyday, you know, does he understand? Does he feel this? You know, he goes to a pretty multi-culti kind of school. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much I thrust onto him, how much I prepare him, and how much of my even preparing him is a reflection of my own bullshit. You know? And so what does that do? as he grows up with his relationship to what it is to be Korean. You know, is it something that he begrudgingly takes on? You know, I remember having to go to Korean school, having to go to church. And the thing is like, you resent it. It becomes something you rebel against. Is that something you find haven? Like, you don't find, you don't find it to be a place of respite, a place to feel safe. It becomes a fucking burden, you know? I used to do a joke about how, you know, my husband and I are teaching my son, um, I speak to speak Korean, you know, I speak to him in Korean and uh, my husband speaks to him in Russian. And so, you know, that means that we're preparing him to be bullied. And, you know, I, I really thought that, you know, because both of us have this trauma of being 
different. You know, I much less so because my husband was the smelly immigrant kid and I was not smelly. So, and I also spoke the language and blah, blah, blah. And there were a lot more uh, Korean kids, you know, in my school. I was like one of, I was looking through my fifth grade yearbook and man, you know, there was no class without a couple Lees, a couple Kims, and a, at least one Wang. I'm just talking the Korean kids, not including all the others. So. And the thing is, like, maybe we live in a kinder reality now. You know? Like, I look on the playground and the kids are nicer to each other. But maybe they're just secretly cruel. You know, because life is cruel, right? It's unfair. It's unjust. Dear God, I just realized I hadn't, I didn't have this mic plugged in. You know what? We all learn. We all learn and we all... <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> I've been doing this and I still fucking make this mistake. I'm so sorry, you guys. Hopefully the audience isn't too bad. Um, Jesus Christ. But yeah, life is cruel. As we just learned, because I fucking forgot to put in my, the mic, plug in my mic. And that is one of the cruelest things because the only person I had to dis disappoint is literally myself, and I did that. Yeah. Oh, boy. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you... You know, and it's not even... It's, there, this isn't... In, I don't think this is unique to people that are raising, you know, biracial, multicultural kids, right? If this is just the experience of every parent. Like, how much are you telling them? How much do you warn your children about the own trauma that you've experienced? You know, because my, my mom's insecurities, she put all of them onto me. Every single one, you know, like my insecurity about not being smart, my teeth, my looks, all of them are my mom's. And she was just wanted to prepare me for being an unattractive woman in a society, in a culture that takes women um, and values them for that and for that only. And in her mind, she was doing me a favor, right? In her mind, she was helping me by you know, sparing no, she was, she, she wasn't holding back. She was like, bitch, this is what it is. This is what life is like for, for women. And at the same time, it's just like, what would it, I mean, just given my own level of delusion, which I've already explained, maybe she didn't need to tell me that. Maybe I, I would have been fucking fine, you know, because I wouldn't have noticed. Because I, I was 
that delusional. And the fact that she clued me into it, the fact that she clued me in on this actually fucked me up on a, a situation I would never have been aware of. You know, I just would have constantly been befuddled. But just angry and never have thought less of myself. So I don't know. I don't know. So yeah. Because I've talked to other uh, parents who are raising biracial kids, multicultural kids. Um, and yeah, that seems to drive so much of how they inform their children about their race, their um, culture. It's almost always a reaction to how the parent experienced being different in America, right? And I don't know because I feel like so much of it, I don't want my son to ever be in a situation where he feels that hot shame and is blames himself. I don't want him to ever be in a situation where he feels ashamed, embarrassed, ostracized, and think, damn, what did I do wrong? I want him to always blame the culture. I want him to always recognize that the fucked up part is the culture and situation that makes him feel different. You know, I want him to feel that outrage. I want him to feel frustrated and maddened, enraged. By the situation. And never at himself. I want him to be upset with himself for being dumb, for making stupid decisions. I want him to find fault with himself when it's warranted, when he's fucked up. But not because of something he has no control over. Because of some bullshit ignorance. Right? Like, can you imagine a world where that... Is how you experience reality. Is that what? I think that's what the Gen Z people are doing. I think that's what these kids are out here trying to create a world where that, you know? Because we're all flawed and fucked up enough where, you know, that'll be, that'll be it anyway. You know? Because I'm sure he's not going to be he's not genius or anything he's not gonna be like crazy smart so i just need him to feel less than for the correct reasons i guess i don't know i mean if you if you any of you guys out there are raising half or quarter or whatever tell me how you guys are figuring it out i would love to hear this because I'm pretty sure I'm fucking it up. <laughs> I'm so concerned 
And I'm making him, I'm making him concerned for maybe no reason, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I want his relationship with his Koreanness to not feel burdensome and inauthentic, right? Like, I'm reading all these books. I mean, like, this is how surreal the experience is about this, right? I'm reading him books about Koreanness and about how to be Korean in English. <laughs> and it's like only reinforcing his reality, I guess, right? So maybe that's representation in the, what you read. But I mean, it's not an experience that he shares, right? There's this book called The Name Jar written um, about a young girl. Her name is Unhe, and she comes to America and she's trying to figure out what her name will be. It's very similar to my own story, right? And as opposed to me simply telling my son, I purchased this book in English to be able to tell him what it was like to like have my name made fun of, consider changing my name. Um, and then when I became a citizen, like what it would be like, it was a thing that preoccupied me endlessly when I was a kid, like what I would change, what my American name would be. And there are a lot of kids like that. You know, you have Korean names, you have American names. Um, yeah, I know a lot of kids that like kind of struggled with that. And I'm talking like kids that were just fully Korean, you know, you, we struggle with this identity. And I mean, it's just something that he has no idea about. He has kids in his class with like all kinds of names. No one makes fun of shit. Because that's their fucking name. <laughs> like you can't, they can't, you can't do anything about it. Right. And I'm talking about even in like as children, they're not making fun of kids. Like full, like when kids are making fun of each other, because he's getting to that age. Because they know you, because as parents, we're reinforcing this idea that, yeah, you don't make fun of people for having weird names. Right. Because his mom's name is fucking Unji. And why is he going to make fun of a kid named Shay Shay when his mom's name is fucking Unji? So I don't know if I'm like, you know, teaching him ways to ostracize people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it's been something that's been kind of on my mind because he is getting to an age where their ki the kids are starting to make fun of each other a little bit. There's a little bit of like, what's that about? You know? But they're not. They're not really. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, the kids make fun of each other for uh, being misbehaving. It's like a big thing. He's not a good listener. I'm like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I imagine, you know, just they're, they're being read for simply their own actions. And bitch, that's how the world is. So, you know, I don't, I don't really say anything about that.
I don't know. Should I maybe, should I just, you know, have him be insecure about being Jewish? I don't know. I don't feel right. I don't know. I, it's like, I, I don't want to make him feel insecure about anything, but I know that I'm making him insecure about stuff. Like he's getting, he's five now. So I know I recently was kind of like dragging him for not trying hard and not being able to read. And I, the look in his face, I was kind of like, this is the moment. Like I'm I like there's so many like moments where I'm like, I can tell this is the moment that you're going to this is going to be your first memory. When you come online, this is what you're going to be talking about with your therapist in 30 years. Hopefully 10, you know, catch it early. But yeah, I don't know. All right, that's going to be <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break and go pee pee and then uh, come back with a uh, guest Korean. Welcome back. This is your and my favorite part of the podcast, Kick-Ass Koreans. All right. This week's Kick-Ass Korean is Robin Ha. She's an illustrator who grew up and is draws comics. Um, she moved to the States at 14 and went to RISD, very fancy art school. And, um, you know, she... Recently had an op-ed in the LA Times where she talks about being a culture chameleon, sort of what I was just talking about, and how as a Korean American, she, quote, I often feel pressure to change who I am. And there's a bunch of these comics that are very funny um, about how white people <laughs> like synthesize being confronted with a Korean person, like stuff like Oh, uh, going to a Korean restaurant and be like, I've been wanting to try, try Korean food, but I don't know what to order. And, um, you know, just like the sort of clueless ways that white people have of incorporating what it is to be, to be trying Korean food. A lot of the where you froms. This one I really like where she- the white person says, my father fought in the Korean War. He got so sick of eating rice that that he uh, still can't eat rice to this day. And, she, and the, the comic is of, is of her thinking, do you want me to say thank you or I'm sorry? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, don't say that shit, um, white people. And she has written a book, uh, a couple one of them is called Secret Identities and the other one is called The Strumpet. And she has a, a book called Cook Korean, a comic book um, with recipes. And so that's very cool. And another one is called An Almost American Girl. It's very looks very sweet as well. Um, you know, this sort of representation of what I was talking about, like, you can, you know, I've been bringing a lot of uh, Korean American books and reading them to my son. Uh, I think just seeing Asian faces in what you read is so deeply important. I don't remember having that 
And if it was, it was almost always about the war or something weird <laughs> or like um, feeling different. And like this is much more about the experience of just being an, an, an Asian kid. Um, and we're seeing a lot more of that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to give her a shout out. Uh, Robin Ha will have a link to her uh, Instagram accounts and all her socials and Twitter um, when we upload this episode. And yeah, this was it. Um, thanks for listening. And yeah, bye. Audio. Audio.